On today's episode, we have Dion Rotman. Dion has been in real estate for over 10 years in wholesaling for under three years. He has wholesaled over 35 deals himself and been part of under 100 transactions. He's been married for over five years with Aaron and is a proud father of two boys. Real estate investing for you. This is Pod Success. Pod Success. With Joe Arias, speaking to investors about the pitfalls and successes on wholesaling. These are top real estate investors. These are experts in the business. And this is Pod Success. Pod Success. Here is Joe Arias. We love the applauses. Thank you, Eric, so much. And we're here with Dion, Dion Rodman. How are you? I'm doing great, Joe. It's good to see you again. Absolutely. Thank you for being here today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Dion, tell us a little bit, uh, uh, what is a slice of your life today? Slice of life? Uh, well, I guess to start out by saying I've got two boys under five. Uh, one's four, one's five. So, my life starts with, uh, you know, getting the kids ready for school with my wife and uh, getting them off to school on time so I can uh, roll up my sleeves and get to work. Awesome. Do you have a, you know, there's a lot of uh, habits that very successful people do. Do you have any rituals during the day in the morning workout? Um, do you have any habits, healthy habits? Uh, yeah, ha habits are critical. Uh, the one that I've been uh, working harder on with my wife uh, because I found it produces success is breathing. We actually, we actually wake up in the morning an extra 20 minutes early. We lie on the floor. We, uh, we get the place as calm as possible. It's early. The kids are not up yet. And we do uh, meditative breathing. It's, uh, it's, very, it's active breathing. And it just gets blood flow into the brain, wakes you up, and it refreshes you. It gets you ready to rock. That's incredible. Is it uh, some sort of TM or what kind of meditation is it? Uh, we, years ago when we were dating, uh, we're, we've been married five years, but uh, about uh, six, seven years ago, we met this guy. Um, his name's David, and he's well known in the uh, in the community and in Santa Monica, actually. Even though he's from uh, he's from uh, the South, mm. uh, of doing um, very active uh, breathing, and we used to go to his uh, you know his 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 breathing exercises, you know, an hour of breathing with other people, and we just quickly learned that this relaxes us, and it and it uh, it calms us. And it helps us get in a place where we can perform. Mm. And so we've been doing it uh, on and off, but with some regularity since. That's awesome. Any other habits? Uh, I think a really important habit as it relates to what I do, which is you know, a form of real estate, is it's, it's what I call work in the jab. You know, you, you, I, I should say I, I have to, to, to have any success, I have to be consistently working any and all leads. And any day that I say, ah, you know, I'll kick that one to tomorrow, it's probably a dead, a dead deal. And, and so you always have to be working uh, every day on keeping up with whatever is in the shoot. And, and, and my wife and I laugh when I refer to it as working the jab, but that's exactly what you're doing. It's not the punch out that wins the fight. It's that consistent working of the left jab. So that's what I try to do. Stay, stay, just stay on top of all my leads. When you don't have the structure, how do you create the structure? <laughs> that's the million dollar question. Uh, and, and it's something that I, you know, I, I don't want to say struggle with, but 
I, I strive for, for more perfection, right? Well, I you do have a structure. I do. I do. I mean, I, I have the benefit of working for a company, right? I work for a very well-known, uh, established company. They've been around for about 12 years. Uh, they're pretty the much the wholesaler lead. company. The, you, you said it. They're, they're the, the leaders in wholesaling. And uh, they're, they're a national brand. They've got a, a public branding image and a ton of support. So with that comes a lot of automatic structure. And that's very helpful. Absolutely. But you also have to, while you utilize that structure, you have to have your own sort of uh, structure of, uh, of maintaining consistency. And so it's, it's the combination that makes, makes it work. Awesome. Um, I, I, I think that those, that, that the rituals in the morning are very powerful for yourself. Do you have any other things that you do uh, with or without your wife? Sure. I, it's important for me to, to get some exercise. I, I can never find enough time to exercise as much as I want to. And I'm sure a lot of people have that. Do you go to the problem. gym or you I, I play, I play basketball. I pick up basketball with friends of mine, uh, sometimes indoor, sometimes outdoor, but you know, an hour on the court, even mm. if it's just twice a week is, is a huge difference for me mentally. Uh, it's another way of, uh, it's taking an hour, but gaining like a week. Absolutely. Um, what time do you go to bed? Uh, <laughs> usually go to bed at, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll get into bed around 10 or 11 and I'm probably up for a couple hours. Got it. Do you do, do you drink coffee? Not regularly, but it's sort of a treat for me. Mm. It's not an addiction yet, <laughs> but it's a, it's a treat. It's a treat. And what about alcohol? I don't, I don't drink regularly at all. Uh, but, uh, I don't abstain entirely, but I, I, I can't afford the hangover. Absolutely. <laughs> Three you, drinks could really change my week in a but minute. You know, absolutely, that's absolutely uh, accurate. But also, like, I've been noticing even one drink, not that you get a hangover, but there's something fussy the next day. Totally. You, you don't get to work at 100. You might work at 89, 92%, but still not 100. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think it just has that effect on you. No, know it or not, it's happening. Dion, if you could... Um, Let's, let's take it backwards. If you could describe your personality, who you are, with, with D-E-O-N, what would it be? Interesting. That's, a, that's an interesting question. I like it, though. Um, well, I guess we start with capital D, right? That's right. I'd have to say I'm pretty dynamic. Nice. Like the, I, I'm starting to realize this exercise has meaning behind it. I like this question. Uh, I, spell my na I spell my name with an I. But I like that you gave me flexibility. No, no, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I is fine. Or E. I like it. Um, I'm going to go with E because I'm energetic. Mm. And that's been a way of my communication. I, I'm, I'm upbeat. I mean, you don't have to be to be successful, but it works for me. Mm. What do we got next? O? I would say on, on point. On point. I like that. Thanks, Joe. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, And then we're on N, need more deals. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you can never get enough deals. That's funny. Okay, good. Um, excellent. So what is wholesale? What is your definition or what is that definition? Sure. I think wholesaling is, is probably best described if you think about wholesaling in, in non-real estate terms, right? If, if someone is... Uh, making 
or selling bread, they're not likely the ones making it. They might be, but maybe not. Mm. Oftentimes not. Mm. Like most of the bread probably comes from someone who bought it from someone. And so that person you bought it from, they're the wholesaler and they got it from someone else. And it's, it's really no different in real estate for wholesalers. Wholesalers essentially serve as a middleman or woman that finds sellers of properties and connects them with buyers of those properties. And for doing that, they get a fee. How that fee is arranged varies. What kind of property varies. Who's selling, who's buying varies. Margins on the deal varies. But wholesaling doesn't really vary that much as it relates to someone connecting someone to buy their property. That's brilliant. Um, you know, different wholesalers have different models in wholesaling. What is the regular model and what is yours? As I understand, most wholesalers are, <laughs> they're, they're just, they're people like, you know, you and I, uh, just, just hardworking uh, people who want to uh, knock on doors, make calls, do whatever they have to do to connect with a potential seller. And then all the while they have their eye on a potential uh, buyer of that product, pr property. And so their setup is essentially, I, I connect two people together mm. and I get a fee for it by producing a contract that I can assign from the seller to the buyer. Mm. And since my name's on it, everyone involved knows it and I get paid. That's the most common. My, the company that I work for is a little different. It, it, in concept, it's the same, but the structure is a little different. My company will actually take title and buy that property and then we'll sell it to someone else. So you now have title going to, uh, to two parties instead of one. And so you guys also represent, as an agent, your own deals the second time you sell it, right? Like you buy it. So probably, depending on the, the scenario, that agent will get their commission. And then when you sell it again, how, how is it? Well, the, as far as commission, the only time commissions are involved in, in our in our system is if it's a on market, a, an MLS or, you know, listed property, Accurate. right? Accurate. If it's off market, which tends to be, you know, the real juicy stuff. That's right. When you and, and that's not to say there aren't deals on the MLS that are fantastic. Some of our best deals are listed, but our investors generally want to see the off market stuff. And there are no commissions involved with those. Uh, the way that we're paid is we pick up a property for $500,000. We sell it to one of our investors for $515,000. We just made $15,000. Is that the average uh, commission for you guys? It's in, the, it, it's in that ballpark, uh, but it, it totally varies on uh, different uh, types of, of property. Most of our properties are single family residences. Mm. And so for those properties, yeah, it's in that ballpark. Have you made, I mean over $50,000, or you guys have regulations where you don't take more than X percentage? It's not regulated in that way, but the system regulates itself because as a wholesaler, and this is really important for, for anyone who wants to wholesale, sure, you want a fat payday. Who doesn't? Generally, people like more money than less. Mm. But if you're only putting deals together where you're getting fat, it's very likely you're going to sell it. 
So, you know, what's, what's 15% of zero? It's a big fat zero. So when I say it regulates itself or it sort of manages itself in that the only deals that are flying off the shelves or even moving are the ones that make sense to the investor. So it's really important as a wholesaler to be aware of what the, the fair market value for a particular property is in its current condition. What is an investor looking for these days? Oh, wow. There, there's a lot of different um, investors, right? Not every investor is the same. And I, I think what's most common right now we're seeing a lot of single family in the single family residence sector. We're seeing investors more willing to bump out, you know, to build, to potentially even scrape a property, you know, to tear it down and to build from the ground up. In California, that's certainly uh, popular because land values are just so valuable. Uh, And so, it's enticing in that way. If you can afford it, if you can pick up the land at a good, at a good price, uh, you know you're going to have an end buyer for it. Uh, but the numbers always still have to make sense. But So we're seeing more bump out, we're seeing more scrape, and we're seeing more multifamily. And maybe not apartments necessarily, although we're seeing that too, but duplexes and triplexes and fourplexes. Uh, ways of converting single-family resident spaces into... Uh, you know, homes that have multiple homes or multiple living areas. We're seeing a lot of that. Excellent. So, so um, you know, I ask you about, you know, what an investor is looking for. They're looking for uh, uh, potentially developing or turning into a, you know, duplex, triplex, fourplex. Um, what, what is, what is the, 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 what are the, the, the sweet spot for an investor to purchase a property in Los Angeles? Well, I think the sweet spot is usually determined pretty much by what the average home price is. That will have a pretty direct correlation with, because if you're wholesaling, you're likely trying to have the biggest pool of buyers on the back end. So you have to be mindful of what people can afford and what they're buying. The, the, the greater number of fish, <laughs> the, the more likely you're going to find one or catch one, right? So... But we're seeing, our, our, I feel like our sweet spot is somewhere around $680,000. Know, I, I might be off a little bit, but that's in the ballpark. And that's by no coincidence, the average price of a home in, in LA, right? Orange County is what, $20,000 higher. And uh, I think that those numbers are, are pretty consistent as far as our wholesaling goes too. So, uh, you know, that's our sweet spot. But that's not to say we don't pick up properties that are, you know, close to $2 million. And, uh, and those are flip opportunities too. And your question earlier, Joe, a great one. Uh, we're seeing more of that too as it relates to what people want, what investors want. They're starting to move up. They know that it's harder to find good margin deals at that sweet spot. It's not to say they're not out there. Believe me, they are. But it's a little harder to find than it was five years ago. And so we're seeing those investors who are now extremely seasoned moving up. And they're getting into the 1.5 and the 1.7 million dollar properties before they're even rehabbed. Mm. So how's how's the process? You are sitting in your office. The phone rings. Probably someone that wants to sell. How did you got your number? And what is the next step? Do you go to an interview? Do you meet them at the property? Do you run the numbers? And then how do you actually, you know, 
lock it in and also find the investors? I, I love that question, Joe, because it's, it's about the action involved. And wholesaling is about taking action. Uh, you can do all the analysis you want, you know, in front of your computer and that's important and you have to, but at the end of the day, real estate is a people person business, right? It's, it's, it's about making connections and relationships. And so the first thing I do, if I have a lead on a house that I could potentially buy is get on the phone and start building rapport, start getting information and as appropriate, giving information. And that's how you build rapport. You give and you take. And once you've established some rapport and, 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 and the basic questions have led to uh, the belief that this has potential for both parties. Do you have a script? You book you know, a time to go see the property. Uh, I don't have a script, no, I don't. Um, I'm sort of a people person, I think. And for me, it's better to <laughs> listen and once I've listened a little bit and I understand where they're coming from, then I know what to ask. Uh, and of course, I know what important questions I have to ask to lock down a property. That's, that's my business. But it's not all about the business. I, I, can't, I can't overstate that. It's so important to listen to your seller because these are mostly just people making big decisions. Their home might be, or the sale of their home might be the biggest decision they've ever made. You got you to gotta remember that as a wholesaler. And, and if this isn't the biggest you know, decision they've made, probably when they bought it, possibly 20, 30 years ago was, right? It's, a, it's their house. It's their home. It's their life. So it's a really important to listen why they're leaving, where they're going, um, what their fears are. I try to ask them that. You know, Whenever I connect on a deal and we have signatures or we're going to get signatures and we've shaken hands and everything sounds good, I always like to ask, you know, if we, if or when we enter escrow, what's important to you? Is it, are, are, do you need speed, you know, or do you need, or do you need time? You know, are, are you worried about legal signatures and reading and all that stuff? And whatever their fears are, I hear them out and I acknowledge it. And then we try to work together to find a solution that gives them more comfort. It's incredible when you ask questions, um, the answers that, that you get. Actually, you know, when you have uh, concerns or when you have doubts, all you need to do is ask. Isn't that true? The question. Yeah. And they'll give you the answer and then you can actually fulfill that. Yes. But I, I think Very that, true. I think that that is connected to, you know, what's important to you, right? Like you're asking the question and I think that not everybody has the the training the meditation to be in the moment right? <laughs> right part of like your morning ritual and ask hey what what will make a difference to you because they'll give you the answer and then you can actually use you know use that not as a manipulation or, or as a use form but you can actually fulfill and what's important to them that is so true that is so true and and even if you get um no answer from this seller or a cold shoulder or something that isn't much of a response. That in itself is a ton of information, mm. right? It tells you what next to do. And, and so that, that's why I think when you ask me if I had a script, I don't have one. I don't need one, right? The script is right there in front of me. It's based on what answers are provided. Yeah, but also, yes, and your script is who you are, 
your script comes from your father and your mother giving you the values you have. <laughs> well, that's true. Right? Like the script is like, because, you know, you, you don't, you can't create listening. It's a muscle that you have to, you have to, you know, and I, and I think that that's the difference between, you know, uh, you know our students are here for the long term, not for the short term. Uh, if you want to do this really quick and make money, you know, wholesaling might not be the, the business for you. Wholesaling yeah. is more like a yeah. long-term building relationships, working on your craftsmanship as a human being. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're right. Uh, the long-term picture, I thoroughly believe, uh, will lead to more success. Dion, what were you doing before you got into wholesaling? How <laughs> did you get into wholesaling? It's interesting. I, I was thinking about that. Uh, and before I was in this side of real estate, which is really, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm I'm buying and selling single family residences. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's traditional because it's investment properties, but it's real estate, right? It's, it's homes. But before this, I, I had a securities um, license. Uh, I was selling securities, uh, but all of my securities were real estate related. So at the end of the day, I was selling securitized real estate, 1031 exchanges in the form of uh, ticks and DSTs. Nice. Uh, that kind of a thing. And uh, that kind of investor is a little bit different. They're, they're accredited investors, so they're super seasoned. Uh, and they have high net worth. High net worth over a million or over 10 million? Yeah. You, uh, well, at the minimum is a million, not counting the value of your per- private home, of cool. your, of your uh, residence. Uh, or, or you can, if you earn two hundred and Two hundred thousand dollars a year, yeah, yeah, yeah or three hundred combined, right? Yeah, you got it. So, uh, you know, so it, I feel like that type of investor is like the the majority in Los Angeles. But yeah, uh, so I was working with them and absolutely loved it, and it's all good. But there's something about working with investors because I also I you know have to sell the property once I acquire it, and working with investors who are oftentimes the ones who are, if not lifting the hammer themselves. It, it, there's something very uh, personable uh, and and connective about it. I I like it. Awesome. Um, hey, um, Dion, I know that you were you you went into securities, but did you have a career, or you were just coming out of school before that? I uh, I was in entertainment uh, in in different facets over the years. Before I was in any form of real estate. Uh, I was a photographer for many years. Wow. I a, yeah, I had a studio in West Hollywood. We did uh, we did mostly headshots for actors That's in the awesome. industry. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We did a lot of celebrity weddings, uh, shot weddings of uh, of celebrities, and uh, and also just uh, anyone who was getting married and needed photos. I'm always fascinated with because when you you start tracking the history of people, you start noticing some trends of you know either commitment or traits that then you can use uh today and 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 you know you're here you're very successful so um you know and really like not dominate but be successful at what you do today you know what are this what are the 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 traits that you have today as a human being that you know that you picked in the way you know with your Mm -hmm. family or with your past jobs what would you say those ones are i think uh the willingness to get in an uncomfortable zone knowing that discomfort is 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 just learning that's it's it our mind has a way to tell us that we want to stay away from discomfort but i really <laughs> respect people who go towards discomfort because those are the people i think that dominate in 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 business they they learn they're not afraid of of challenge um that's an area i i 
strive to get better and better every day. But I think that's a critical element to success in real estate is the willingness to get out of your comfort zone. So, you know, let's talk about getting out of your comfort zone. You get that call, you do your research, you build a report, and then you get out of your office and you go to their home. So, you know, what's your rate? Like, let's say from, from 10 houses, 10, 10 people you meet, do you have like a 10%, 20%, 30% close? How, is that, how does that work? Well, I, I like to think that any deal I haven't closed is still coming. So it doesn't go into my math yet. Nice. <laughs> right? Right? Every deal is still, is still a potential deal. That's right. And, and by the way, that brings up the critical uh, necessity for follow-up, right? That's a big part of wholesaling is following up. Just because they didn't sell now doesn't mean they won't sell later. And what percentage, let's say like, you know, you go into the meeting, mm -hmm. does you usually have a, you know, 50% chances that you'll get it on the spot or a 10%? I, I, I don't know that I have like, you know, KPI on that, but my feeling is if I go to a seller uh, who at least answers the questions enough, you know, positively enough to get me to the, to their door, mm -hmm. right. To get. I feel like it's a probably one in five. Wow, it's really high. It, it, yeah, it, yeah, I think that's ballpark. I, I, I'm probably excluding the ones that I'm going on, knowing that I'm not going to get it from the beginning, mm. and I'm I'm playing the the what I call the be back bus, right? They'll they'll come back around. How do you build trust? And you know, because you can talk on the phone, but when you meet the person, how are you able to build trust so quickly? I believe. It, it, it sounds so corny, but truly being yourself uh, is important. So if, if you're a shy person, you, you don't all of a sudden have to be a comedian. That, that's not being yourself. But connecting with them uh, with a little bit about your life, don't overdo it, and asking questions about theirs and caring and letting business take a, you know, a, a back seat just for a minute. That's the, that's the first thing I do. Uh, besides, actually, there's one other thing I do even sooner. Before I go in their house, I always ask if they'd like me to take off my shoes. It's a little, it's a little thing, but it means a lot, and it sets a tone immediately that I have respect for them in their home. The very thing I'm trying to buy. Mm. So that's a big one. If I want to take pictures, which I normally do, I always ask. You never start firing away with the assumption that it's okay. That's a good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, just ask. And uh, the batting average on how many say, yes, it's okay. It's literally in the 900s. Most people are totally okay with it. They just don't like being in it sometimes. Mm. Um, and, and, and right back to what we said earlier, Joe, letting them speak because they're, 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 they're trying to give you information that's so vital to the transaction. And they, and they don't realize that, that it is like, they, they might say something like, uh, you know, um, maybe, maybe their spouse died and, the house feels really big and lonely and they want to move to a quieter place where it's not so, you know, busy with, they just, they don't want to be reminded of all the things of that, of that passing. So now, you know, you're dealing with someone who it's a pretty hot lead. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to benefit on the misfortunes of others, but you got to listen. So they're looking to leave soon and they're looking to leave out of state. It's possibly. So that changes everything. All those little nuances and details can really help you connect and help them get on to the next chapter of their life. And what is the next step? You, you created that, that comfort zone, the trust, and then they'll give you a number. 
Or you are you usually <laughs> that's a good question. Usually um I always give go whole... prepared. Yeah, okay. I'll give you kind of a rundown. I uh, always do your you always do your numbers and your, your research prior. Uh you always do that. In other words, I, I use I'm a I'm a licensed broker, so of course I have access to the MLS and I use that to get the true numbers and the history of all the properties like it that sold in the area. That's so critical. I'll print that out so I can give it to them. I don't always use it, but usually. Uh, I comp it fairly. Comp it meaning comparison, you know, of other homes like it. Uh, I do a, a market analysis. That's pretty much first thing I do. I print the uh, county records report, the realist report, so I have all the details on the home. Uh, I print them a copy of that. They like that. They usually don't have that, and it's good that now they do. Um, I will. I have an Excel spreadsheet that I use that has pretty just basic, you know, computations on what, if I get it at this much, uh, what percentage would a flipper make on it if they sold it at this much. So being able to calculate the ARV is a critical part of this process. It's the after repair value. So I can't possibly know the ARV accurately unless I run the comps accurately. And I do that using the MLS. Uh, And then uh, I put together a nice little folder that has all this documentation in it or, you know, uh, research and materials. Um, and I, I present that to them. Um, I, I don't present obviously my numbers. They don't need to see that. Right. But certainly the number that I'm going to offer, uh, is in my mind. And then I present them when in the time is right. And it's really important when you do make an offer that you are direct and confident and not ashamed or fearful or anything. Just give them the number. That's what they want. What makes people really uncomfortable is when they see you're uncomfortable. So that's like a, (laughs) that's a tidbit for wholesalers. I keep telling myself that just give them the number and ask for what you want. And if that's not what they want to do, they're going to tell you. And that's great because information is your friend. And, uh, and then you know, sometimes we'll sign on the spot and, but I admittedly, most of the time, not a much greater number of the people are not at on the spot. It's later and it's done electronically. So it's really easy. Uh, you know, electronic signatures are totally legal and it's the way real estate's done these days. And, uh, and that's kind of the process, you know, but it all starts with that phone call of building rapport, the willingness to inspect immediately a lot of my competitors don't. I, I, some of my competitors, they'll make offers without inspecting. And I just think that that's, I just think that's irresponsible. Uh, and it's also really disappointing for the seller when they find out later that, oh, I was just kidding. My offer is off by 100 grand and not to your advantage. So, uh, yeah, that's the process. We, uh, we're, 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 we want to be thorough and we want to be connective with our people. And we want to follow up. You make that offer. They say yes. You shake hands, send contract. You know, you're in business. You're open escrow. What's the next step for you? Uh, after I open escrow, um, I want to uh, present this to uh, possible buyers, right? And I don't present this to anyone. We, we, we can't do that. We don't want to do that. That's not, that's not our model. Uh, we offer it to people who are 
um, looking for properties. We know they have the finances for it. We know they have an understanding of flip properties and, and what it takes to rehab a property. And I offer it to them. Uh, basically our network of investors. And uh, we do a proper comparative uh, you know, market analysis. Uh, we put together a package that shows the property, it, uh, all of its um, comps, uh, the realist report I talked about, a lot of the same things I brought to the seller first interview, uh, but a more thorough analysis and, uh, and pictures, pictures of the property. I put it out to uh, the people that I know are looking for that type of property and we hopefully connect the dots. And then you close with your company, that's right. Yeah, you got it, Joe. You yeah, you know this. Uh, you know this better than anyone. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it, I, this process sometimes confuses people because it's well. Wait a minute. Why are you closing twice? Well, there's it's called a double escrow, a concurrent close, and so I'm closing on the first escrow, which was the escrow from uh, between me and the seller, and then we're closing on a second escrow, which is between me. When I say me, I mean my company and the buyer. And so there's two escrows happening at the same time. Uh, and so at the end of the day, I will, or I should say the company will take title. And then literally minutes, hours, or a day later, it transfers to the new buyer, the investor who will fix it up and flip it. What are the pros and cons on doing the double closing? What I like about double closing or the, the concurrent close, probably more than anything, is that it insulates the buyer from the seller. That's really the value I'm bringing is that I handle that interaction. I'm interfacing with the seller and the buyer so that the seller doesn't have to, or the buyer doesn't have to. And it's not to say that people can't get along, but homes are emotional things. Transactions are complicated. A lot of things come up in the title report. Uh, there's liens, there's, there's divorces, there's, I mean, there's a whole array of issues can come up, but we handle them. And that's a humongous advantage when you're doing a double close because uh, it's not that we represent these people, but it's important to us that this deal closes. And so we're just as vested as the other two parties. We get it done. Some wholesalers, uh, that's not how they operate, right? They're doing a, uh, you know, they're doing an assignment and at the end of the day, they just want to get paid And so they put two people in a room together, uh, not figuratively, maybe not literally, and, uh, you know, hope that everything goes well. But remember, a lot of these properties are distressed. And with distressed properties come distressed situations, right? And so I think that's the biggest advantage to the double close. You know, it, it's, what would you say would be a con? Some of our investors... Uh, at first think, oh, wait, but then, you know, there's incurred escrow fees. And there is truth to that. Of course, if there's two escrows, there's going to be a little bit more escrow fees. How much fee. in a $600,000 house? Two, $3,000 more? Yeah, I mean, I, I figure it's about three quarters of a point ballpark on an escrow. And then if you're doing two, it's about double. So what are you, a point and a half? But I, there's also a lot more likely we're able to get it discounted, obviously, because of our volume and our experience. Mm. And we're also keeping an eye on it. We don't want anyone paying more than they should be. And so it's in our best interest to keep our eyes on both escrows. Yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking you're, you know, you want to start wholesaling, you know, the business model that you do, 
you have to have the money to close. Right. Where if you're doing this as a wholesaler and you don't have the money to close, you can assign it. That's right. So it opens up for more people. You got it. That's totally the, yeah, you said it. It's funny. I, <laughs> I gave you the pros and cons to my way of doing it, but you're right. If you're doing it another way, the pros and cons are kind of flipped. But yeah, that's definitely an advantage for, uh, for someone who's uh, doing it that way. And now we're going to go to the rapid fire. And now the 90 second rapid fire. The 90 second rapid fire with Joe Arias. Favorite day of the year? Halloween. Snooze or jump out of bed? Snooze. Residential or commercial? Residential. You believe in aliens? No. Where's the worst place you could get stuck? In my head. Biggest profit on a wholesale? 50? Vegetarian or carnivorous? Oh, <laughs> bring me the meat. Hard money loan or private money loan? Hard money. Stocks or cryptocurrency? Stocks. What time did you go to bed last night? Two o'clock in the morning. One person in the history that you would like to meet? <laughs> if it were possible, I'd love to meet David Bowie. When you were a kid, you were afraid of? My uh, oldest brother. My father has taught me? To, uh, to be confident in all situations. My two boys have taught me. <laughs> uh, demands don't go anywhere. The lesson I learned I won't do again is... Uh, <laughs> when my wife tells me she means it and, and thinks she doesn't mean it. <laughs> what is your biggest pet peeve? Uh, people who put their blinker on a mile before the exit. Getting things on time or getting them right? Uh, getting them right. Excellent. Good job. That was 90 seconds. All right, we're going to we're going to move to the 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 second and last part of the show. Um you know, what other value, uh critical value golden nuggets can we bring to our audience? Golden nuggets. Wow. Think about that for a sec. I want to make sure I deliver appropriately. Uh as it relates to wholesaling, I would say um we talked a little bit about earlier about being consistent and working the jab, but uh, you do have to be organized. You do have to be organized. When I've had weak months, it was almost for certain that I wasn't organized. So I don't want to sit here and preach on how to be organized, but I, I do want to encourage people to go into this prepared with organization before, right? And have a system and try to produce a system that works for you and, and, and work it. Beautiful. Um, if, um, if people want to reach out to you, how do they reach out? Do you have a, a phone, yeah. you know, a phone, a cell phone number, an email? How would yeah, you like them to? Yeah. I, 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 Hey, this is a day of, uh, texting. Right. And I think that's that most of my deals are done through texting actually, at, at least in part. Uh, and so, uh, I encourage people to, to, to text or call and, and I, also, I also think it's really important to pick up the phone. We can't get stuck in this electronic age where we never talk. Got to pick up the phone. So with that said, uh, I'm happy if people want to text or call. 310-592-4105. That's my number. Say it one more time. Uh, it's 310-592-4105. That's my number. Beautiful. I have two more questions for you. One is how important do you think education is in this business? 
Well, I think it depends on your definition of education. If it's, if it's formal training, you know, going to a four-year university, that sort of a thing, while I think it's terrific and I hope my kids go to college and I hope I can afford it for them, uh, I don't think that that's absolutely mandatory or critical. But I do think training is important. I do think um, getting around investors who have had experience asking questions, looking over their shoulder, uh, maybe getting involved with the deal on any level uh, and doing so in somewhat of a formalized setting at minimum is paramount. I think that's one of the pillars of our um, organization with real success in the way that you know, we, you actually get to create a tribe with other investors and you might or might not have the money, but maybe your colleague will have the money and, and you will JV with them. Totally. Absolutely. And that's why you don't make any assumptions when you're meeting people, bumping shoulders, everyone's a possible partner. Uh, and yeah. And as I started to learn, you know, we started talking about this a while back, Joe, about what you were going to be doing. I thought you're perfect for this, right? Uh, because you have that to start, you, you, you have the personal skills and, and I think that's so important to real estate and, uh, yeah, absolutely. You want to be around people who've done it. And I don't think, I don't think that's much different than any business, but in real estate, there's something about being in a room around people who've done it. Uh, it just, it just, you pick, you actually pick up deals that way. You pick up deals by making contacts and relationships. Last question, Dion. What does real success mean to you? Wow, I'm still, I'm still, you know, honing in, trying to find out what, what, what my definition of success is. I think we, we all, we all are, and we're always probably shaping it. But for me, it's not a, it's not a dollar amount. It's not, it's not reaching a certain amount of uh, financial um, security necessarily. Necessarily, it's when I feel that I'm working and playing in balance, right? If I can work uh, the amount that feels challenging and comfortable and, I, and it leaves enough time for pleasure with family and friends, then I, what more could I possibly ask for? Dion, thank you so much for being here with us. We truly appreciate you being here. And everyone have a great day and keep on creating real success. All right. Thanks, Joe.